I suppose you'll be moving on now. No, I'm staying. If you'll have me. Oh, I'll have you. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy The Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. The Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror! <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to The Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror. I am your co-host this evening, Mr. Luke Giaconetti. I want to thank everybody for downloading and listening to the show today. And we have a great show for you today. We're taking a look at another film out of the pantheon of Hammer Horror. And joining me on this little uh, adventure from uh, left to right across your radio dial, I have first the hair metal hero, Chris Tyler. I'm just dancing, dancing on the Sabbath, dancing. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, also joining us is my brother, Mr. Jay Giaconetti. That lock is as tight and cunning as a moneylender. <laughs> uh, rounding out our OG cast is uh, uh, Tutu Freak Extraordinaire, Mr. Chris Honeywell. It's an old Chinese herb, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I knew he was going with that. I knew it. <laughs> Wait, that predictable, guys? Yes. Yes. yes, a little okay. bit. And, uh, and, <laughs> well, we're not we're not all predictable tonight because we're mixing it up. Because for the first time in quite a long time, we have a guest with us. I am very proud to welcome back, or not welcome, but welcome uh, to the show for the first time, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Give a warm vault welcome to Mr. Thomas DJ. Hello, Thomas. Hello. Let me just uh, adjust my samurai sword here. <laughs> <laughs> Now the, now, the one I had, in case I didn't bring it in, was nothing like a leech or two, a bloodletting, the cool man's veins. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I had two alternates also, because I always have them. Um, what he doesn't know about vampirism would fit in a, a fleas cod piece. <laughs> and the one I was going to use, I really thought I thought I'd have to use this one, was, uh, you old leech lover. <laughs> Pretty calls him. You know, that scene there is what inspired uh, the scene between Matt... Uh, you know, uh, Dylan and, uh, you know, um, you know, Schwarzenegger and what do you call it in Predator? Really? It didn't. No, I'm just lying. It was very it was much. I, I actually thought that, 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 that when that scene happened, actually. But <laughs> it's really funny if he comes up and he, and he, and he goes, Marcus, you son of a bitch. You know, and I was like, oh, my God. I still haven't said what movie this well, is. I was, I was just going to say it was an inspiration for the the Han Solo and um, and Billy D. Williams scene in Empire. Why you and he, no good go dirty double crosses. Dirty double brother. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> well, okay. But since Thomas is our guest, Thomas, um, why don't you? Um, how how did you get introduced to uh, Captain Cronus, Vampire Hunter, and uh, what led you to be to requesting this group of idiots to discuss the film with tonight? <laughs> well, I am a major fan of Brian Clemens, who wrote and directed the film. 
Uh, he's responsible for, of course, my favorite TV show of all time, The Avengers. And responsible for the Golden Voyage of Sinbad script. Mm -hmm. And um, I've always been a fan of Hammer Horror films. And I went through a whole period when I was much younger of just like going through all the VHSs. And I, I discovered this. And this quickly became one of my all-time favorites. Yeah. So when you guys said you were going to start doing Hammer films, I said, well, you got to do this one. Because this mm -hmm. is good. Yeah. That, it, it, and, you know, I, I want to say, you know, um, I, I don't have the connection necessarily to, to Brian, Brian Clements, but this was one that, this was one I remember was never never shown all that much, but I do remember mm -hmm. seeing this on, where, where we saw all Hammer films, on WTBS, you know, the Superstation. Mm -hmm. And uh, but I just like I said, I'm just not shown as much as some of the other ones, even from some of the same vintage. But this one was always one of those oddball ones that when you saw it, you kind of remembered it. It's like, oh yeah, I remember yeah. that one. That was really strange. <laughs> well, it was one of the last that was released here in the states on a double bill with Frankenstein and the Monster from Hell. Right. You know, another uh, one that played very rarely on U.S. television. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, this was filmed in 72, and then it didn't get released until 74. And then, uh, I mean, they wound up holding it back for, you know, I mean, because they, they were filming, because, um, like, Carolyn Monroe, uh, Carolyn Monroe was in Dracula, 1972 AD, mm -hmm. um, and then she and then she filmed this, and then, then from this is where she got into, seven, into the Golden Voyage Sinbad. The Golden Voyage Sinbad, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was also the uh, Hammer's first choice to play Vampirella when they were looked like they yes. were going to be doing a Vampirella movie. It's funny, yeah, I know. it's funny you mentioned that. I just, at, at a garage sale, I had gotten an old comic convention, uh, 1971, I think it's 71, hang on, it's right here, let me grab it. That's what yeah, she said. It's the, it's the program for the <laughs> 1975 comic art convention in New York City, and on the back mm -hmm. of it is a full Full, the whole back is uh, Vampirella, a major motion picture now in production from Hammer Films, coming your way in 1976. That was one of the many, many films that Hammer uh, announced and even began production, pre-prod -pre and actual mm -hmm. some production on that never saw the light of day, including, you know, Nessie and Zeppelin versus Vampires and what was it? Uh, uh, Queen Ze of the Zeppelin versus Pterodactyls. Pterodactyls. Oh, jeez. They had like a like a pirate queen one. Yeah. And they had the day the earth. They they had one that was like day the earth cracked or something like that. Right. So they they, um, they yeah they announced all sorts of these movies that never came to fruition and they're all my awesome looking. Was <laughs> Colony Bride of Dracula. Yes. 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 I remember that one as well. We have a we have a Hammer book. Jay I does a has book. a Hammer book that yeah, has all yeah. sorts of this crap in it. No, yeah. the, Nessie is always the one that that you know stuck with me, but no, that's just me. But <laughs> but yeah, and that's that's the. I mean, this, this is this is such a late for. It's odd for such a late Hammer movie. There's no there, there's a lot of suggested nudity, mm -hmm. you know. Well, yeah. Well, it's, it's a very interesting time in Hammer's um, history. It was just handed over from James Carreras to his son Michael. And what he had a habit of doing is going down to the commissary and talking to the and inviting writers to pitch him right there and then. And that's how both Captain Cronus and the other Brian Clemens uh, Hammer film, Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde, got made. Uh -huh. Yep. And so there was like a whole, whole lot of weird ideas go being flung at him that he said, that sounds like a picture. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, the other thing too is uh, like Anthony Hines and the, the other writers and stuff. Um, they would all holiday together, and mm-hmm. sometimes they would come up with. Uh, they would get. They said they would because I was watching Hundred Years of Horror, hosted by Christopher Lee, which is a great series. It's like I mean, it's like twenty hours long, but it's. Um, and he, they had, I think Anthony Hines was on, and he was like, "Well, we all got real drunk one night. We just started throwing ideas at each other." And all of a sudden he goes, that's not a bad idea. And they wrote it down and made a movie of it. Like <laughs> they started doing things like that too. Yeah. Like you, you, you want to think that like movies are made because they're like, you know what? This came to me and, and I have this, uh, this urge to write this movie. Not, I went and tied one on one night and we were acting like a bunch of assholes. I'm like, Hey, let's make this thing. Cause that's how I feel like Pineapple <laughs> Express got made or like anything Seth Rogen and what's his yeah. face. Anything the guy Seth in, Rogen yeah. made that, that one, yes. um, what was Sausage it? The end, of, the end of the world, or the? Yeah. Right. Well, oh, yeah, but I feel hilarious. like that's it how they. Was. It is that movie is very funny, but I feel I feel like that's how they make their movies. They're like, let's get really fucked up, and then let's make like this stuff. You you want to think like maybe that wasn't how they did things back in the day, but obviously it was. Well, you yeah. Know? I mean, there's a long tradition. <laughs> so... There's W. C. Fields. There's Cheech and Chong, and now you got the ones today. You know. Yeah. Well, what I'm just saying is like you would like think they're making gothic horror. Like, you know, you're making, like, the idea of, like, um, Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde or, um, you know, a lot of the Hammer stuff. I mean, even the stuff that seems like that's a little different take on it, but it's not, like, insane takes mm-hmm. on things, you know? And it's like, but, yeah, they're like, well, we were plastered, and we were on the beach one day, and I'm like, you know, it'd be a good movie. Let's make this movie. You know, it's like, <laughs> like so, and, they, and, and that one And that one time when all the Hammer writers were suddenly Italian for some reason. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> What are you doing there, Jay? It's <laughs> a mechanism well, I, movie. No, that you're thinking of you're thinking of the other movie Carolyn Monroe made, which was Star Crash. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. God. Oh, Stella Star. Well, <laughs> the, the funny thing is Carolyn Monroe uh, I'm said you, in, young lady. <laughs> she said in her interview, because in part of this, um that she they wanted her to do uh, you know, full nudity. And she had said no because she was really young at the time. This was like one of her first films, if not her first film. Well, and she, she had said signed, no. Uh, um, she was an, a model, and she was signed by Hammer as part of their New Stars yeah. Initiative for 1972. Yeah, right. Wait, and, and she had said, you know, I don't want to do full nudity. And then she gets to the set, and it calls her full nudity. And they said, well, sure, I can't. So they made her a pair of like flesh-colored uh, like uh, underwear. Like she called them knickers, which I was thinking. Was really yeah. cool. um, it's always and, hilarious when British people talk yeah. about that. It's, sorry, yeah. no, it just really is. They I'm got sorry. knickers and tallywhackers and all that fun stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, I got a tallywhacker. <laughs> oh boy! Um, and then she put her and she's like, and my hair was long, so like, so she's you know she's wearing. I mean, so she was she was worried, and they put a little. And she said they actually put tape on her breast to get to keep the hair down. And I was like, but when you see the movie. It looks like okay, like you totally buy. Like she's naked, they're gonna have sex. Okay, yeah. no kind of thing. Like that's gonna happen, but and, and it doesn't strike me as weird. But when you think about think about the other <laughs> movies that Hammer had put out before this, right? Yeah. There's like I'm, the, I'm thinking like Countess Dracula, the Vampire Lovers trilogy, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> the Vampire Circuit, like I mean, there's naked chicks everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then if you think about right. Um, Cause they had did, they, they had done with, with uh, Harryhausen one million in one million BC, one years, one, one million, million years, years BC. BC. Yeah. And then they didn't bring Harryhausen back and they did um, um, when dinosaurs ruled the, the earth, right. Jim Danforth, and, right. Right. And, and, and with that, um, you know, they, 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 they brought in um, what's your name, but the V's. Uh, uh, retreat. Yeah. 
Yeah, Branca Vitri, thank you. And you know this when that movie that has the uh, the new Blu-ray release of that has the full cut, has the rape in it, has the other stuff. Like they they're just like they had no problem putting skin out there. So yeah. to get Captain Cronus this late in the in the in, in the cycle mm-hmm. of Hammer, and not have any other nudity in it at all. Oh, I mean, it, but, well, it, it, but it, I'm just saying it plays yeah. differently. I think it plays to some of their earlier. It, mm-hmm. it, it makes it feel like it's an earlier film in the Hammer set of movies instead of the later. Because later, eventually, Hammer's just like, you know, boobs and blood. Let's get it all right. out there. You know, kind of thing. That's what it needs to be. So. Uh, Clemens called this a horror venture film. Yes. In that it was, I think it was meant more to be kind of like a good pulpy adventure story. You, you can't yeah. think of it without the word pulp. Like, my first thought when when I was watching this is like, you know, this is like the forerunner of, uh, like, Buckaroo Banzai. You know, yeah. a, a beginning of a really quirky sort of idea slash character that never went anywhere. And, you know, and his sidekicks and stuff. But then I was like, I'm... oh, that's just Pulp Fiction, though. That, so they're both yeah. just sort of failed Pulp Fiction stories. And we'll get into, I'm sure, um, towards the end, what was intended for Cronus after this film. Yeah. That's what I was just saying. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, because the thing that that always, I mean, and and I'm I'm betraying some of my influences and and interests, but Captain Cronus, to me, even more than a pulp, always reminded me of like, this is like something that in an alternate universe that Edgar Rice Burroughs created. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like yeah. if Burroughs was interested more in the supernatural, that he would have written a, a you know, th- this is a Burroughs type hero. It's a guy who's, you know, has his quirks, but is really quite good at pretty much everything he does. Or a know? Robert E. Howard character. Yes, a Howard character as well, because ha- and Howard did ha- was interested in the supernatural, and this mm-hmm. was a guy that, again, he you could see him in the same way as some of the uh, the Solomon Kane type right. of stories mm-hmm. with this. Definitely. So that, that's what I always kind of figured out more of that that you know that that weird weird literature weird lit type of stuff with him because he seems to fit that mold and you know especially with uh, you know like them saying oh there's many different species of vampires and wow. each one has its own specific way that it kills and a way that it has to be killed it's like that that always struck me as a you know something that would uh, would would uh, Burroughs would write this whole like you know uh, half a chapter on of our narrator telling us of Cronus telling us about all these different things that happen, you know, mm-hmm. that's just that. Um, yeah. So that it's, it, this is, it's always, like I said, it's, it's one of the, it's always been an odd one, but that's one of the, that's the great thing about it is that it is so kind of unusual. Yeah. What year did Suspiria come out? 74. So it or came Suspiria. 74, 75 around there. I was I was yeah. wondering which of these movies might have been influenced by the because the, the old woman in the bed reminded me a lot of Suspiria with the with the mask. Yeah, mm-hmm. with the Suspiria was seventy seven. Seventy seven. Okay, so I'm this thinking, I'm thinking of seventy seven. I'm thinking of Deep Red that came out seventy four, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Suspiria came out then, but you got to remember that this movie was filmed. Uh, I mean, this was filmed in seventy two. You know. Right. Deep Red came out. Deep, Deep Red came out in '75. So uh, yeah, but I'm just saying it's, it was it was shelved because obviously they for whatever reason you know when the thing's trying to release stuff. It, it, yeah, it definitely it has it has it has that feel, like I'm saying it, it doesn't feel like it's a you know mid '70s Hammer movie. 
You know, it, it feels felt like, like it's a, the one from like the late fifties, early sixties Hammer movie. It, <laughs> it, it felt like me to me like a Warren comic in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and actually, Thomas, I want since you're a big fan of this, have you ever tracked down? There was a comic adaptation of it in the House of Horror magazine. Yeah. I would love to I've see what seen, that's like. Yeah, I've never, I've never seen it. I've seen, I've looked it up on eBay, and it's mm-hmm. expensive as hell. So it's like one of those, but it's also a UK publication. So it's yeah. like I'm like oh, I'm not gonna run into this at a garage sale anytime soon. And well, I they guess they adapted it. the movie, and there were a couple, you know, continuances. Yeah, stories. Yeah. Well, Titan, Titan Comics put out uh whatever i mean i don't know how many issues it was but i know that coming up it's just it's just called captain cronus vampire hunter it's the collected comic book for all the titan comics and that's coming out in april of 2018 as oh. a collected um 16.99 hit your amazon to uh, go to two true freaks <laughs> hit the link order through that um you know got a cash in there uh, but yeah, that was when I was looking up like the you know for the DVD prices and the and the you know the, like the CD and stuff like that. That came out it came up as a comic book. I was like, oh, what does it do? And I was like, this looks like and it says Titan. And so I went and dug back and Titan had done her. I don't remember how many issues, but it must be just all their collectives together in one place. So um, and I'm not 100 sure because I never read those. If it's just the same as maybe what you were talking about, the old ad- adaptation. Or mm-hmm. if it's a continuance or something else, but it's just called Captain Cronus Vampire Hunter. It's not called like Captain Cronus, you know, meets the whatever, you know, kind of thing. Captain like Cronus Vampire Hunter colon Blood Harvest. Yes. <laughs> right. <yes. laughs> meets the Home Globetrotters. <laughs> hey man, that that was that had a lot. That was a lot better than it had any right to be. Do you want to really get to talk about? <laughs> In all seriousness. So, uh, one of the things I found, uh, and I didn't know this until uh, later. Um, so, Cronus is played by Horst uh, Jansen, right? Yeah. Yeah. Beloved German very... actor Horst Jansen. Yeah. Not, not even but, a joke. But, like, <laughs> no, he is. I mean, he's a very thick. He, his accent's very thick. So actually, yeah. uh, Julian Julian Holloway had to loop all his lines mm-hmm. later. I didn't even know yeah. that. Like I, because I, I didn't mean you know. When I was I mean, a I kid and I saw this, I thought it was Jan Michael Vincent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a very different film. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, I didn't realize that his lines had been looped. Um, mm. You know, when you look back at it, now, I mean, looking at it, I mean, they did a really good job. And it's not yeah. like you, you know, you're not. He's not. The mouth isn't fitting. Um, but it's just funny to to think. That you know they because they really wanted he he fits the part well he looks like the I mean, well he was he, hired because he was an accomplished swordsman mm-hmm. as yeah. well as um, as well as a great actor and the sword play in this movie is fantastic oh. I've seen several um, you know reviews of this from you know fencing fencing masters and stuff saying that the sword fighting in this movie is unlike what you normally get in uh, a film production and it's not just two guys wailing at each other it's actually very you know for the most part very accurate very well done sword play mm-hmm. which is which is funny because you don't think about that you just you know you don't really i'm not i'm not a fencing master so i don't necessarily think about these things but it's like that's a that's a nice attention to detail that lends a level of um you know uh, even if it's on the sub subconscious subconscious level it lends a uh, some authenticity 
to mm-hmm. it that this guy that Cronus is already a master swordsman, and the guy he's fighting is this legendary swordsman. Right. You know? Well, it's, and, and they a, have a the first time I saw this, I used, I remember my my mother had a boss who was this kind of. It was fun. He liked to. He liked. To, he was one of those people. Who, he was one of the first people I knew who had a VCR for one, mm-hmm. and uh, he was one of those people. You've never seen this movie? Well, we're gonna sit down and watch this movie. And we were talking about Hammer films. And as a kid, I was, I didn't like Hammer movies or like Italian movies and stuff. I just thought they were cheesy. And he's like, "Well, we're gonna sit down and you're gonna watch Captain Kronos. It's different than." And he went to the video store and whatever the the release of. On, of it on VHS at that time, it looked beautiful. It was mm-hmm. it was a very you know very nice print of it, and I was just like, wow, this is. It had sort of the gothic feel of Hammer, but it had also a sort of modern feel to it. Yeah, and it had a like realistic feel, and then it had a lot of absurdity through it. So it was just tonally all over the place, but it worked perfectly within its its context and I just remember going like wow that's the first Hammer movie I really liked and I and my memory of it after rewatching it now was that it was a lot more humorous and kind of I got a sort of I, I always remembered it as having a sort of like Austin Powers era feel to it which I did mm-hmm. not pick up on the second time except for just you know <laughs> the way the hero would casually sleep with the gypsy girl that that yeah. that, 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 that yeah. was very austin powers like of like of course we shall sleep together you're the gypsy girl and <laughs> i will have you and if i get angry i might have to slap <laughs> you around a little bit but yeah. you'll understand yeah. And every time we have sex, the doctor's gonna come running in afterwards <laughs> with news. You're we have this thing. We have this thing like set it. up. I leave no, a bottle. No. I leave a bottle outside of the door, and he knows to come back in in an hour and a half. And then he gets his peek, and uh, I get to I get my out. <laughs> uh, I don't think I was. Well, they only, the they only have game. blankets for two, though, so you have to remember. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Suit yourself. Suit yourself. <laughs> I like that scene too. It's just like, yep, only only blankets for two. Sorry, young lady. Not even the hunchback would give up his blanket. I thought for sure the hunchback would be like, here you go, ma'am. Well, he's not I getting that hunch though, warm. You know, so. No. Yeah, the hunchback knows no. he's not getting. He's not he's getting any with Captain Kronos is <laughs> next to him. He's like, I'm just, I'm just here for the overflow, babes. That's the only reason I'm on this quest with him. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's waiting for the, he's waiting for the, the, the tag along chick to be like, I guess no one cares. You know what? I care. Okay. No. You know. What I, mean? I also, for the, that's, for the, that's the, it, man. There's just something to be said for that. I also <laughs> like it. Just sort of invokes the James Bond rule at the end, where it's just like, all right, well. Bye, Gypsy. <laughs> yeah, well, I think she was just yeah. like, "Well, I, we must part ways now." And it's just like, oh, "Okay, they'll be." They, I guess they wanted different gypsy. I, I think it would have been great if Carolyn Monroe was part yeah. of the crew. It seemed like that was, it yeah. seemed like that was a great part of it. It's like here's where they pick up the third member of their crew, and she yeah. turns out to be like she's pretty steely. She's she doesn't mm-hmm. balk at anything. Ready for action. Well, you know. Yeah. Well, the thing is, well, I mean, this this fits here. So, um, uh, Tom, you alluded to this earlier. Is that the yeah. idea is that 
it was supposed to be part of, and this movie did not do well at the box office, and it was part mm-hmm. of, supposed to be the first one of a series of films. Mm-hmm. And since it didn't do well, they canceled the rest of the films. So the Somewhere, thing was, they knew. There are outlines that Brian Clemens oh, sure. wrote for Captain Cronus versus Frankenstein. That's so Cronus versus Dracula. Okay. The Dracula one makes sense. Frankenstein. Captain Conus versus Frankenstein would be pretty cool. I, th- I Yeah, I would be down for that. Yeah. It I'm does, not saying yeah. it would have been good, but it said that. T- but versus Dracula fits with the vampire th- idea, right? And then Frankenstein, you know. I'm, well, I guess I get, it depends on which. I mean, obviously, I mean, well, at this point, we're talking Frankenstein. Would it, it probably wouldn't have been Cushing. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Um, but it depends on what kind of monster they would roll out too, because well, it might have uh, been like a completely. They might have done, you know, it might have been each one would have been like there's a sort of revisionist take on it. Yeah. Well, also the concept was that Cronus was immortal. Oh, okay. And, and that he, he could show up in any place or any time. Yeah, and, and you know what's what's also funny is that. Um, that a lot of these kind of ideas would mm-hmm. get, you know, subconsciously or consciously recycled by Stephen Summers for Van Helsing. Yeah. And and, <laughs> and, I, and, I, and, and I'm saying that, one, and, and, and Jay knows this, I'm saying that completely as a, as a huge fan of Stephen Summers and the movie Van Helsing. I don't have a problem with that. But this idea, yeah. even the immortal thing, and or the yeah. idea that he would go over all over the world and find different monsters, that was what Van Helsing was supposed mm-hmm. to be. And it was also supposed to be a series. Now it, it yes. had the advantage that it did have a, a prequel, so there are two, there are two Van Helsing stories at least. Right. But you know, so it's yeah that and and it's like you watch it and you wish that there was another one to put on when it mm-hmm. when it's done. You're like, man, let's watch the next one. Ah, crap. You know. Yeah. Because it's like it's it's such a great setup for a series and has such a well, great story in. I mean, theoretically, this- if you got the right actor, you could if Captain Kronos is is immortal, you could just start making them today if you could. Yeah. I mean, doesn't Hammer technically exist yeah. now? Yeah. Hammer still exists. Yeah. But they're not interested in the gothic stuff anymore. Yeah, I don't know. But you could you could sw- I mean that's the thing about Captain Kronos is you could swing it you could set it in modern day. Mm-hmm. He'd have to have new well, sidekicks, but the problem the problem is with the, is, is and I think we all know exactly what the problem would be is that if you tried to make this movie now, it's like ah uh, so we have to have like CGI fights in this, and we need to have yeah. like vampires, but they can't just be vampires. They have to be like the craziest vampires well, ever. But we don't really like like physical effects. I, so, I have a, know, I have a why theory. is a teenage girl producing this movie? <laughs> I because that's what this movie be for. Oh my god! All of these, they, all of all these, these special effects. <laughs> the special effects gave me a rash, so I really can't use those. I need CG effects. <laughs> yeah, like I can't wear makeup because they all give me a rash, but this one give me the least rash, so you, I guess I recommend this one. <laughs> you know, so, some of you might hate this, but you know who could make a great Captain Kronos movie? And I was actually the thinking rock? this while I was watching. Is it The Rock? Because The, the rock, rock would everything. be fucking awesome no. Captain Kronos. No, <laughs> no, no. Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> Tarantino would do I was great see, I was watching yeah, this movie and yeah. thinking I could see how Quentin Tarantino would write this movie and it's sort of oddly structured a lot like he you know it sort of puts things on their head every once in a while you know and and goes off in a in an odd sort of direction and 
and the dialogue and stuff. So I was thinking Quentin Tarantino could probably do a, a Captain, you know, it wouldn't be. Yep. Okay, but that's, that's what, okay, but the problem is you're picking, like, a, a director who purposely will not use CG, who will purposely right. do, like, it's a guy who does elite, it's, it's like, you know, he purposely does the stuff that everyone is like, why are you doing it this way? Because because that's the way movies should be made. Like, I think we all know that it would, they wouldn't get, Quentin Tarantino wouldn't be the guy who would get the first crack at this. No. If they'd be like, ah, let's just give it to whoever. No, and they'd give it like, to some hack who does a, a yeah. Hey, McGee! <laughs> oh, Jeez, <God>. yeah. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. yeah. But that would totally be, that would, that, I mean, that's the perfect example of what would, would probably happen with it. Although, I have a theory, and I'm going to put it on, on tape right now. I have a th- I think that more classically styled filmmaking is going to come back in sort of a reaction to CGI soup. I think I think there's going to be a more people are going to be like, okay, I you know are going to understand more are are sort of sick of the way stuff are, is now and mm-hmm. are going to be looking to stuff that's more because. Cinematically, classically edited and shot and stuff, because there's a reason that that ended up as the way it was done, because it was a a good way of telling stories. And at well, least I don't know, it's probably wishful thinking. Uh, Chris, I'm saying I'm I'm hope you're right. I really <laughs> do. But the problem is, I just have a feeling we're going to see bad CGI over and over and over again because it's so cheap to produce now. Mm-hmm. And, th- this is, and this is ultimately the issue. And I think, um, you know, anybody who's ever heard us talk about this, even when we talked about Rogue One and stuff, like, was it Rogue One, right, we talked about? Yes. No. Was it Rogue yes. One or was it... Uh... Yes, yes, it was, it was Rogue, Rogue One. One. Sorry. Yes. Sorry. Um, yes, right, because we said it was like, well, and then like a horror movie. When, when you see good cgi that is seamless with live action and creature effects and everything else then it doesn't bother us you know kind of thing it's like okay that could be there but once you know that's possible and you get like the freaking stuff i mean i don't mean like sharknado which is designed to be funny like i mean but you watch a movie and they're like this is a serious movie and you're like wow that's really bad like <laughs> oh my god you know, like I put, for example, this, um, I'm, I'm, I'm painting, um, a piece, I'm doing a bust of, um, Anthony Hopkins as, as when he turns into the werewolf from the Wolfman, Right. Mm-hmm. So I needed to put the movie on. So I put the Blu-ray on of the movie, the extended cut and everything else. And when watching the physical effects and Haley's like, that looks really good, dad. Cause anyway, and you know, we're watching this and she's like, dad, this looks cool. Oh, that's bad. Because they went from physical effect, Rick Baker makeup to CG. And she goes, why'd they do that? Ooh. And I said, yes, honey, millions of people asked that question and thus killed an entire franchise by saying, hey, Rick Baker, we got you to do this physical effect. It looks good. It looks real. It looks this is this is palpable. Bad CG. And that's what the problem is. Bad CG is cheap. And it's just watching. I'm I'm rewatching the the sequel to Blade Runner. And uh, oh, yeah, I was watching that and and just sort of marvel at going. Yeah, this is this is a. You know, you could tell there's a lot of practical effects in there. There's a lot of CGI, but they just sort of, instead of being just like, "Hey, we can use all this CGI," they're just like, "Okay, we have to use it here." You know, we have mm-hmm. to use it here, so it ends up being seamless, and it ends up, you know, when when I was looking at documentaries about the special effects, it's like, ah, oh, a lot of things that I thought were CGI were actually practical. Some of the stuff that I thought for, I just found out. Remember in Rogue One, the the 
brain-sucking creature. Yeah. That creature is ninety percent practical. Ooh. Yep. There's only a yep. couple CGI scenes with that with that creature. Although when I looked at it, I was just like, "Ooh, CGI!" So maybe it was the elements of CGI kind of made it all look CGI. But mm -hmm. it's like Harryhausen, though. CGI is like in motion capture or like Harryhausen. It depends. You have the tool. But yeah. you, know, uh -huh. you could have lots yeah. of people doing stop motion. But when Ray Harryhausen did stop motion, you uh -huh. and and when you looked at stop motion, you knew it wasn't realistic. It was its own thing that you just sort of had to take that step of of yeah. The difference being and yeah, right. I'm saying, but the difference being when you watch stop when you watch Harryhausen stop motion, or even Willis O'Brien or Danforth, or I mean O'Brien is the the great grandfather of all you know this stuff and you know Harryhausen is the grandfather of all this stuff when you watch it it has it, while it's not perfectly smooth it has it has a little bit of herk and jerk to it because that's just the nature of what you're doing of, of the right the beast yeah the movie yeah. yeah right the moving the monster whatever it could be could be the emir could be the beast or the fathoms could be could even be the tentacles in uh you know it came from me to see the the it has a a weight and a mass and um a performance it's truly uh harryhausen performing through there mm -hmm. so even though your eye says hey that may not be real it really wants to, it starts you start believing that it could be a physical thing that's really occurring and you see a lot of it and i don't know if you guys are big wallace and gromit fans but um wallace and gromit i mean I, we love wallace and gromit this yeah, i think i've um, seen when you watch all of it Right. I'm saying when you watch Wallace and Gromit stuff or like Shaun the Sheep or whatever, when you watch that, because that's done with stop motion, the same kind of, well, it's stop motion. Um, there's, you know, it's not perfectly smooth ever. It has a little herk and jerk to it, but it's all herk and jerk. So it does, it looks like it's part of the world, but you're watching a movie and you, you can kind of get sucked into what's going on here. And you're like, it just, but you're, because you're getting, you're getting the actual, you know, you know uh, the actual performance of the 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 the, the actual animator. Yeah, you know you're saying? seeing something that see... light actually hit, and somebody put their pers a little mm -hmm. personality right. into it, and right. and yeah. put their character through the character that they were animating, and that's what Andy like Andy Circus does nowadays. That's why yeah, he's exactly. in demand because yeah. he, well, his motion capture is a step above other people because he has a talent for it. And, well, what I was going to say was in War of the Planet of the Apes, and I don't know if you've all seen that or not. I don't know oh, if yeah. Luke's seen that. Have no, you? No, I haven't seen that. No. Okay, but but you've seen the other Planet of the Apes one. Yes. When, when he's a, when you're watching that, you're watching CG. The almost in the entire movie is all CG except for the you know the live actors, but you forget that you're watching CG, and that's the thing because yes, I mean, does it look like the old Planet of the Apes with you know Roddy McDowell in the costume? No, but the thing is. It, you you have that you know his his you're watching him as an actor act and if you if it was Andy Serkis physically standing there acting he'd doing the exact same thing and it just sucks you in because even though you your eye knows that that character is not real like the the actual ape itself you know that Andy Serkis is wearing an all black suit with little dots all over him and he's moving around. And you're like, well, that's so you're just you're 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 able to accept that this is what's I, really happening. I think with the Apes when, movies, it's a combination yeah. of Andy Serkis and the filmmakers were had the restraint with all that CGI. They weren't afraid to put stuff in the shadows and the dark. Whereas a lot of right, times, right, when you're yeah. spending all that money on the CGI, 
you want to bring it out a little bit so you can see all those every ape in the forest, you know, and look yeah. at the job we did. Yeah. And they were just like, no, well, you know, some of them you might just see a hint of their motion or whatever, but it was right. more, it was more like, or like Fury Road is another example of like, oh yeah, you know, where there's more deft touch on the on the CGI, so you don't really have to pay attention to it, and and they're they're treating it more as a tool than as a novelty. Right, so that's that's but, sort of. But how... we are getting kind of far afield. Yeah, here. yeah. So, this is about <laughs> Captain Cronus. Remember Captain Cronus? I, do. I remember you, the toads you... in the hole. <laughs> I love that. That is such uh-huh. a that's such a British thing. Uh, I mean, if you listen to the show, Thomas, this is kind of par for the course. Here, yeah. But, no, but I, the thing about the thing about Captain Cronus, it had been a while since I had had watched it before I did the rewatch for this episode, and 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 one of the things, like I said, that that I said that this is perfect to become a series. Is that you can you can see the story engine uh, develop as you watch it? How a series of this would work? It's like when you watch um, not not so much um, even yeah like when you watch Doctor No. If you're let's say you're unfamiliar with James Bond, you've never read Ian Fleming, you're unfamiliar with James Bond. You watch Doctor No, you can see how this could be a series. You know, mm-hmm. M calls him in. He gets his, you know, he does his interplay with Money Penny. M gives him a mission. He goes out. He meets Honey. He beats the bad guy, and at the end, he's picked up, and James Bond will return. Right. right. So right. you can kind of see what the idea is here. He, you know, because he says, uh, he guess he goes, uh, you know, where are you going? Anywhere? Everywhere, nowhere? Everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. So he can, you know, so they really, you know, that 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 setup is perfect for it. And again, you got he's got his sidekick with him. He's got the girl. You can say, okay, well, she. She didn't go with them, so there's going to be another another girl in another town and another monster. Right. So you, it, you know the, the story engine for this is 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 fantastic, and it and it's interesting now seeing this where it's clearly setting it up to be a series, where um, everything is set up to be a series nowadays, whether it should be or not. Right. Right. <laughs> Whereas this one has actually a, a fairly intelligent, well put together rationale for it actually being a series. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it never happened. Yeah, you know, we, we yeah. talked, uh, Jay, you mentioned um, the, the remake of The Wolfman. I mean, Jesus Christ, Universal cannot, they, they, they are in love with the idea of doing a new MonsterVerse, but they cannot get it right. And, you know, to the, to the point that I just read not too long ago, the director of uh, Bride of Frankenstein said, yeah, my movie has nothing to do with anything they're doing with that. So, you know, and, and basically went on record and said that whatever they're doing, he's, he's got nothing to do with it and, you know, is not involved in any of that. Oh, it's, so. it's dismantled already. Yeah. The dog so it's like... Prefer- has has been dismantled. Well, that's what you get for putting fucking Tom Cruise in your mummy movie. But you know that's. Uh... Yeah. I still haven't. I still haven't had the. I still haven't had the stones to check that out yet. Just Look, I, I've said it. I've said it before, and I will say it again. You've got to work real. You got to get up pretty early in the morning and work pretty damn mummy movie. And they did it. So, I mean, I, I I love mummy movies. I literally just finished a collection of from Yo Books of pre-code horror comics all featuring mummies it was like 150 pages of just like mummy comics from the 50s both of them are god awful but man i loved it and no no tom cruise anywhere in sight there but but that, that's say, the thing okay, here is that the, the strength not to of, like a mummy movie take something i think for well, you not to thing, like a mummy movie yeah like you could because even bad mummy movies you're like eh, it's not that bad you know kind of thing <laughs> but the yeah. thing but the thing about but the thing with, with captain cronus is you've got this great cast Mm-hmm. Everybody is everybody's on point. Even even like um, like Paul and 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 uh, Sarah, who are relatively minor characters, they're so well cast. You look at them like, mm-hmm. yup, yeah, okay. so, yup. I, I know everything quick. I need to know about yes. these people just from looking at them. 
real quick. Okay, so so Haley's watching with me, and yeah. at some point she must have got up and whatever because she's watching it, and then she. But my daughter watches movies kind of in a little bit in and out. She goes, um, "Why are those two girls standing like that?" I go, "Well," yeah. so I said, "You know, Carolyn Monroe is you know hypnotized," and then she goes, "No, no, not her." Those two, the two blonde girls. I go, those aren't two girls, honey. I said, that's a boy. She goes, no, daddy, that looks like a girl. That's I said, Shane no, that's Bryan. his sister. Yeah. yeah. Well, but yeah. to my daughter, she goes, daddy, they look like two girls. The aristocrats. <laughs> the other, yes. He yes, was the person I mean, signed as part of the new talent initiative of 1972. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Let's get pretty people. Well, Lois, Lois Dian, pretty people. I mean, Lois. Yeah, I mean, Lois Dian looks like she wandered in from like a different, like a Dracula movie. That's like like one of yes. the like eighty seventy two, like one of the modern ones, you know, with her haircut. Yeah. But uh-huh. uh, I just want to say, Wanda Ventum is a fox. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I know I know her mostly from uh, from UFO, but okay. man, she is gorgeous in this man. When she when at the end when she's all all milfed out, man, it's like damn. You know who that you was know. supposed to be originally, right? Ingrid Pitt. I do know. Ingrid Pitt. Yeah, there you uh, go. She turned I it down. See that too. Right? Well, see, I mean, as 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 attractive as that as she was, Ingrid. I love Ingrid Pitt. You know, kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. uh, I mean, I mean, or you can if they got Veronica Carlson or any of the other, uh, you know, Hammer women, I would not have been upset at all. But Ingrid Pitt in that role would have really tied it into Dude, the car the, scene, the, the the Karnstein trilogy, right? You know, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I think that's what that why they wanted her, but she said no. So, can we talk I mean, it's about not that bigger role? You know, it's a really no it's because a very she's mostly she's, she's covered up for most of it. You know, yeah, and it, I mean, I'm saying it's it's mostly just a cameo, basically. I mean, it's that's that why she's a, a, she's listed as a special guest star along with Henry. I, I love I love yeah. any movie that has guest stars. It's like how does that work exactly? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's not Love Boat. You know, kind of thing. Guest star this week, yeah. <laughs> Sammy Davis Jr. Holy crap! You know. <laughs> uh, can we address? Go Captain ahead. What were you Chron- going to say? Yeah. Can we address Captain Chrono's methodology, which is the most laid-back vampire hunter methodology <laughs> I've ever seen in my life? Which is this? This could drink, there's drink, two, fuck, there's, drink, fuck, fight. Yeah, there's two things. There, well, there's two things in this movie that could have been like a real problem for me but they ended up being things that i liked and one was his his method is yeah let's just go to this town around the general area we'll hang out we'll let a lot of people get killed i'll smoke some chinese herbs and have sex (laughs) with a gypsy girl until you know it just sort of it's it's very zen jedi we'll let it play out until the very end when almost the whole village is wiped out and then they, yes. you know, he that had, poor family loses that, everybody. Everybody, <laughs> everybody. That poor family is gone. The, and and they the, save you them know, to just sort of like wipe them out throughout the whole movie too. <laughs> just, well, look at it this way: if yeah. you're dead, then you're not the vampire. That's true. That's also yes. That is a good way of fighting the vampire. But look, he loses his good friend and all of it and and stuff. And that and. But that ended up just being – I sort of love that aspect of it. And his doctor friend. All right. Yeah. So you had the doctor friend's manservant who's obviously given the hairy eyeball to these guys from the minute they it show does. up. Watches them basically torture him to death <laughs> in, the, in that great scene. That's where I was starting to think Quentin Tarantino could do this. Yeah. But uh, 
in that great scene, he watches it. So I'm like, ooh, we're going to get, you know, this guy's going to try and wreak, wreak some vengeance. It goes nowhere, you know, but it's. There's a lot. There's a lot like that. The, like uh, the. What is that? Like the blind girl. You know, yeah. she's there and does nothing. She's there because there's a blind girl. So as soon as you see the blind girl, you're like, oh, she must be important to the story. Yeah. No, no, nope. just a blind girl. <laughs> Not so much. <laughs> well, it's like what do you call it? It's, it's like when they go and they're going to get their re- their revenge on Cronus in the in the cemetery when he's yeah. when they're dragging the cross away. They're like, and, and Carolyn Rose, she's like, they got they're, they're, they're you know, Carolyn's like, you know, Cronus, and he's like, all right, keep dragging the cross away. Yeah. Like he doesn't give two shits. He's like, all right, I'll fucking <laughs> take him. Like, see, I always love the fact that when like, he number, saw this, is number that, of shits given. Zero <laughs> <laughs> is that he has. Not only does he have his the, the katana, he's yeah. got the, like his, the regular sword he'd be carrying. And I'm like, man, this guy like like why would you mess with him? Like, he's <laughs> but he has no other tools in his sword. sword. And when he has right. to no, dig up a toad box, is, get out the sword. Yeah, <laughs> what, what I'm up. saying is, but when, when when you're looking at him and everyone's got their regular piece, right? And you're like, oh, that guy's carrying that extra fancy sword too. Like, <laughs> you might think twice, but I don't know if I want to screw with this guy. Now, you notice the 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 uh, um in the in the tavern scene there when they're when they're Carol. Um, yeah, uh, that's uh um, but it's that's that's Ian Ian Hendry. Ian Hendry, um, who was the yeah. first partner of John Steed in the Avengers. Yes. I was going to say, he was also in, uh, I mean, he's from Repulsion. He was in uh, Get Carter. He's in Theater of Blood. He's in, like, he's he's a very well-known, I mean, obviously, it's a very small part in this movie, but he's in a yeah. lot of things. Um, he's in know, a lot of, of British things. things, yes. Yeah, what I'm saying is, but. As, but, as but a, no, like, I mean, a lot of Hammer players were, were like, yeah. were like him. They, you, like, you watch, if you watch British stuff, you're like, yeah, I know that guy. He was in the, he was in this Doctor Who. He was in this episode of, of UFO, or he was well, in, he you know. Was more. Henry was more was hired as a favor for for, for uh, Clemens. Yeah, because he at the time he was on some uh, hard case. He was had a bit of a hard case. He was an alcoholic, and Clemens hired him for a couple of for a couple of scenes. Yeah, I mean, it's, again, if you think about it, except for the few, you know the couple of people, everyone else is basically cameo shots. They got their stuff done in yeah. a day, and they're out. You know, kind of thing. You know. Um, but it's just so funny, you know, when they're there, I mean, they're, I mean, obviously they're there and Cronus says it to him later. They were paid, you know, they were paid yeah. to, you know, get us in a fight and kill us. And I'm like, you gotta, I mean, I, I know that guy's like, you know, a dick and he's like, I got this, you know, he's looking at like, I could take this guy out. But when he walks in, he's got two different swords. On. I don't know if I really want to, like, cause clearly, clearly it wasn't like, uh, uh, Grost is going to be the guy you're going to fight. You know, yeah. No, but they had that like, they had that like. Oh, look at this fancy city slicker guy. You know. I'm just saying, dude. Sometimes you gotta look. Well, it's well, you know, it's like with Popeye. You know, right? I mean, Popeye shows up. He doesn't look all that tough. As soon as he makes a muscle, it's like battleship. It's like you know what, pal? You kicked my ass. We're good. I'm just gonna go. Well, they also they didn't get those. I don't want. I don't want all those. Got no tits. Yeah, let's get out of here. They they also didn't get those. I guess they're good workers, basically, because they didn't get those gold pieces to like be like, oh, we're not gonna start a fight with that guy. He looks too tough. So, so they were just yeah. They were just dedicated. They're hooligans. They are dedicated hooligans. They're the English version of rednecks. Yes, they, ha- they were hooligans, hooligans with a good work ethic. 
We don't take too kindly to guys with katana swords around these parts. <laughs> <laughs> That's famous Listen. last words right there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Listen, buddy, that shit might work in New York City, but not here. You know, <laughs> New York City? <laughs> New York City? You take that, that Tory Hanzo crap back where you came from, Yankee. You know? <laughs> Didn't they have that video of the guy on the subway with his katana sword breaking up the fight just recently? <laughs> There is. There's a video of the guy, and then they have him, like, they're interviewing him afterwards, and he's one of those creepy, you know, spends too much time with his katana. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. really? A guy breaking up a fight on a subway with a katana is creepy? Well, he was saying stuff like, I could have cut them in half, and th- I've, I, but before I even entered, I'd calculated how I could, you know, cut them in half in three different ways, but I decided to take the nonviolent route and just break up the fight. But I could have bisected them all. It's great. <laughs> but so the katana yeah, does it, go it, over right, in the city. But, but again, it's you know it's um, it's it's a typical again getting back to it's a typical James Bond sort of thing. Yeah. You know, guys. Well, Bond is you know he's he's. Um, have you guys ever read any of the Destroyer books by uh, Murphy oh, and yeah. You know how, yeah. especially in those, they talk about how Remo has this way of carrying him that you know, women are instantly attracted to him, and men, if mm-hmm. they're if they're they're threatened by him because of the way he carries himself. So it's kind of the same way here. It's like, well, you know, th- this guy, he he's so cool. He's got all the answers. He knows all the angles. It's like, well, fuck him, man. We can take this guy. It's like, no, you really can't. That that <laughs> nagging suspicion in the back of your brain. Listen to it. Because yeah. You're not going to get out of this alive. <laughs> Your your survive your your uh, instinct for survival is tapping with her like buddy no buddy buddy don't don't that's it <laughs> well, and and, and yeah, you know re- and and bring and the destroyer is kind of an interesting comparison too because again it's sort of the same way that it's there is some horrific stuff in a lot of the destroyer books I mean there's some nasty stuff that goes down but mm-hmm. it also has a sense of humor it also has a you know a, a obviously men's adventure style and that was right around the same time because I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, created the destroyer was like 72 or something like that i believe i'm 71 I'm sure. yeah so right around right i around have that. a first printing of that book really that's pretty cool I, oh I my just god recently... why have i been passing these up at garage sales all these years dude but yeah the destroyer ones are i mean the destroyer ones i, I you guys know uh, if you listen to this show or destruction directive that i have two used bookstores that i frequent quite often here in uh in in south carolina in upstate of south carolina and um, they're like they're like a block and a half from each other because that's the way things roll up here. But anyway, um, and and one of them doesn't have any men's adventure books, so it's like you know we don't carry that stuff, you know. But one the other one has rack and rack and rack of Executioner and Phoenix Force and Able Team and all these. It's like, eh. It's like do you, like do you guys have any of the Destroyer? And they're like, no, we never get any of those in. It's like yeah, because nobody's selling those because those right. are good. You know? <laughs> Like take nothing away from uh, you know from Don Pendleton and the dis- well, and the execution. If you, if you, those if are, you guys those have a of, if you guys yeah. have lists of of those kinds of books that that you need, send it to me because right down the street from me, I've got a place that's just that's like they they do it. They, it's a used bookstore and they have a trade in policy. Yeah, so a lot of people the, yeah. there's a lot of like you know series that end up in mm-hmm. there because the people who read those are frequent the place so i'll bet you i could find you know if every couple months you know you can go in there and there's a that's how i pretty much have completed all the star trek books and stuff i wanted oh, yeah, just over yeah. the last few years is see what turns up there yeah, but there's and, a chronos novelization just, too that i would love to find 
Oh, that must mm -hmm. that's probably pretty cool. And ju just to close the loop, if you are interested in the Destroyer, you can get, as of right now, as of recording of this, created the Destroyer and The Day Remo Died, which is the novella that kind of retells the same story. You can get them for free on Amazon right now. Mm -hmm. so. Nice. But, but again, same type of ideas. That just as, as with uh, Remo Williams, there's easily a story engine that we get mm -hmm. in that first story. We get the same one here. And it's like I said, it's just a shame that we didn't get it because this was that this is one again, when when you think of Hammer, and we've covered kind of the 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 pillars, so to speak, of a right. hammer. We've covered Dracula and Frankenstein and the mummy and Curse of the Werewolf and uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and the Phantom of the Opera, is that these are so Captain Cronus because it's not one of those um, ones that was a remake of a Universal movie. Mm -hmm. Unless you really know your Hammer, you don't. People don't necessarily think about this one, and because it was a one and done, people kind of hear the title and think, "Oh, that sounds kind of cheesy or whatever." But it's it's so creative. Just just like I said, just the idea that they introduce this idea that there are many different types of vampires. That alone, to me, is such a creative touch mm -hmm. because it says that, okay, it's like, I know you guys, you came to a Hammer dra a hammer Vampire movie and you're expecting, like, Dracula. But wait, there's we can do this other ways. And, and what's funny is that we get kind of a similar uh, technique in Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires mm -hmm. where, yes, it's got Dracula in it for a little while, but they're mostly fighting Chinese vampires. The uh, hopping you know, ones? Uh, hopping, yeah, Wuzhen. Or, or um, uh, not Wuzhen, whatever. What, uh, I forget their, their Chinese name. Uh, uh, Zhang Chi. But, uh, so, so it's the idea that, yes, okay, that makes sense. There would be different types of vampires. And this type of vampire that we see is like a, like a psychic leech taking these right. young girls' life energy. And, and, you know, he asks, he was like, oh, did they have blood on their mouth, you know, when they were found? It's like, yes. It's like, well, you know what this is. You knew it was a vampire, else you wouldn't have called me. Yeah, so right. it, it's, yeah. it, it's, it's a, such a creative film. And it's one of those ones that, you know, our, um, Jay and I's dad always says that the sign of a good movie is you look up and it's an hour in. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. this movie. This movie moves and moves and moves. It, even when it's on a little bit of a slow part where, you know, maybe uh, it's, it's uh, the captain and Carol Monroe talking or whatever for a little while. It's still moving along and it's such a it's well paced and it's fast and it's exciting. It's, it's just a great, like I said, little one and done film that I really mm -hmm. wish had been more. I mean, it, it, it definitely looks to be, if you think about, because Hammer did the the Karenstein trilogy, and it did, like, you know, it had movies that tied together, and it's it's a shame, and I'm not a shame, I mean, and it's kind of a shame that it fell where it did. It fell in a mm -hmm. time when Hammer was kind of on its downturn, you know, yeah. kind of thing. When they were, you know, I mean, um, it, it, if this had been 1964, you know, and it maybe had, and it, you know, like, okay, well, it did okay. We can maybe get another movie. They might have tied in another movie. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, maybe they had one of those ideas well, that, you know. Captain Kronos uh, type thing, you could film two movies at once to save money, you know, yeah. with that sort of oh, thing. sure. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Because, because the thing is, his costume won't change as long as you're doing it in the same time period. I mean, obviously, the yeah. idea of him being immortal is one thing. But you could have that stuff going but remember they shot dracula 80 1972 at the exact same time yeah like, so you could have filmed you could have had the same actor already there you know oh you, dude, you could whatever other movie you were filming in a time period you could have brought captain chronos mm -hmm. in and filmed on those sets and been like we're in ancient egypt now you know we'll, right we'll use yeah. the mummy the mummy captain sets Kronos for a captain chronos movie 
Oh yeah, totally. I, yeah, but even that, or well, no, well, a mummy film you can't have it take place in ancient Egypt. Mummy films have to take yeah. place in the modern well, day. Well, yeah, but they always have the flashback with the tombs and stuff. Oh, right, but I'm saying, but Cronus wouldn't have been in ancient Egypt then. He would have been, mm-hmm. you know, they'd have to do, they'd shoot the flashback portions of it, and then yeah, they'd yeah, be yeah. in the English countryside fighting a mummy. <laughs> right, or right. or a, a werewolf, or, you know, or, oh, no, I'm saying, but even, but even like, even some of the more oddball Hammer movies, like Plague of Zombies, mm-hmm. you know, you could have Captain Cronus show up in Haiti, or as they say in that film, Haite. And, and <laughs> that is an absolute shoot. That is an absolute shoot, by the way. Haite. But, what if uh, Captain Kronos if... fought a wolf man that got bit by a vampire? Ooh. Yeah. Hey, that was getting too deep. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. What if, what We're if, getting what into that monster that, club. Yeah, see, what is that one movie where the, the it's a mummy and the mummy is a vampire or is a werewolf? And they resurrect uh, the, the screen? Oh, is it? The face of the screaming werewolf, I think it's called. Yes, something like that. <laughs> the face of the screaming one. I've never yeah, heard that. That it's like a mummified. It's like a, a mummy comes back, and the guy that was mummified was a werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, of course, you know what this means. We're boned, you know. <laughs> okay. Face, okay. Face of the screaming werewolf, nineteen sixty-four, one-hour running time, uh, experimenting in hypnotic regression to past lives. Uh, holy crap! This is a disaster. Lon Chaney Jr. plays the mummified werewolf. Yes. Um, was this shot in Mexico? This was shot in Mexico. In Mexico. Okay. So this movie. Okay. So I, your... I, know, I know this movie. I know. Okay. So in Famous Monsters of Filmland, they had clips of this movie, uh, like little little pictures and stuff. And it talked yeah. about like Lon Chaney Jr. is the werewolf. Because the picture I'm looking at right here has got Lon Chaney Jr. in a werewolfy makeup kind of thing. <laughs> right. Um, and you know that during the movie, because it's 64, Cheney's in bad shape. Yeah. Um, there's, because I mean, this movie, I, I know I know this movie. I haven't seen this, but I know I know this part of this. Um, there's somebody studied Lon Chaney as the Wolfman, and whoever's wearing the makeup at one point is jumping around doing all his Wolfman-y stuff. So you might think, mm-hmm. oh, maybe it's Chaney. He was so deep in the bottle by now, there was no way he was jumping around doing that stuff. Because when did they shoot the, the the mummies? Are all what the forties, right, Luke? Like mummies? Uh, yes, yeah. yes. The Universal yeah. mummies are in the mid forties. Yes. And and he was he was a mess then. He was more in the you cirrhosis know? stage by this time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was pretty much. I mean, he was doing like Route sixty six and st- the TV stuff now, and he was in bad mm-hmm. shape. So, um, hey, when when did Spider Baby come out? Because isn't he in Spider Baby? That's in the sixties, isn't it? Yeah, but I'm saying, but he looks like death warmed over at that point. You know, all I all I know is if that if Lon Chaney Jr. is playing a a werewolf in a Mexican film, at some point he's got to grab somebody by the shirt, shake them, and say "Usted no entiende," you know. But (laughs) 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 Spider Baby is seven, by the way. Just in case anyone's wondering, they closed the loop Um, on that. Yes. Yeah. um, But yeah, I mean. That would be Captain Cronus versus the mummified werewolf. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. This shit writes itself. I just I it say. we don't need to get drunk on some uh, in in somewhere in British Isles yeah. and like say you know I'm gonna cut movie. Do this. But I mean, but in all seriousness, with everything today, like I said earlier, being a franchise of some kind, mm-hmm. there's no reason that that you could not revive this character. Maybe not in film. But mm-hmm. in, in print or in comics, I would rather I it be actually, like that. Yeah. When uh, Brian Clemens died, 
died last year. I considered putting together a, 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 what they call uh, uh, falling off the numbers. A file off the serial numbers, Captain Cronus. Captain, uh, uh, doing a anthology of Captain Cronus stories. That'd so, be yeah. good, man. I can uh, yeah. see that. Yeah, no, the, the the problem with if they just made call it, it, just call him the captain, and go from there. You know, the problem is if they made it into a movie, the <laughs> the the audience that would be like familiar with Captain Cronus and like want to see something that's in the same style as that would not be enough to justify making it into a maybe a Netflix movie or something. It would have to be a really good movie and then like sort of suck people into it. Otherwise, they would be like it would be the I I would be afraid it would be a sort of the spirit type of deal yeah. where they're like oh god we have to do something about this to Not make it spirits. palatable to modern art you know. And you would end up with something that was totally not like the source material. But if you did it as a comic and stuff, that's more of a niche yeah. or a book or something. That's more of a niche market, and the people who are into that would be really. I mean, as well, to me, it's like um, there's a small publisher uh, uh, headed by a guy named Joe Gentile, which is Moonstone Books. And for a long time, Moonstone's big um, biggest uh, seller was they had uh, publishing comic publishing rights to the Phantom which they eventually lost to Dynamite, which was very unfortunate because I think they did a much, much better job with The Phantom than Dynamite. But they published comics and illustrated prose for many pulp and pulp-style characters. So, like, the spider. Didn't they do Kolchak? Kolchak, yeah. the Black Bat, Honey West. Uh, they did... Um, Honey uh, West! Honey West! Uh, they, that was where Winona Earp first, uh, yeah. first showed up, was at Moonstone. Uh, so they would have been a perfect fit for this too, because they also did lots of stuff with monsters. Right. Um, you know, uh, Mike was it Mike Bullock? I think was writing a bunch of stuff for them. He he would have done a great Captain Cronus. He had an original character called the Death Angel. I would have liked she, to see Philip Jose Farmer write some Captain Cronus. There's there's all really sorts good. of there's all sorts of names you could throw out that would have been you know uh, uh, you know that would have been uh, great to see write Captain Cronus. I mean, um, um, I'm. Wow, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, Howard Chaykin would probably write an oh, amazingly wow, sexist yeah. and violent Captain Cronus, but it'd be that that's a good fit. That's what I mean. The character, because the character we get, he's almost like um you know, we, we get some of his personality. But Cronus right. is a lot of him is defined by what he does more so than who he is. Mm -hmm. So it's it you can uh, um a good example of a character like that, uh, in the early days, eventually we learned more and more about him was like Jack Ryan. Whereas Clancy always wrote his books based on these are what they do. These are professional men and women, and this is what they do, and this is how you get to know them. Cronus is kind of like that because we see, like you say, his methodology, what he does. So somebody you can you can take different. You can have a more pulpy, you know, um, '30s style take on it, or you could have a more violent take, like a, a Shaken or somebody like that, on it. Mm -hmm. So that that that's what I mean. It's it's such a great setup. For and, and Hammer, you know, they did they did a lot of adaptations of literature or new takes on it. They didn't have a whole lot of stuff that they're known for that was original, you mm -hmm. know. And that that's what it just that's why this one's always stood out is because he's an original character. It's not, oh yeah, this was a book and we adapted it, or, or this Universal did this thirty years ago and we're we're making it hip or whatever. Yeah. And now I've just got a shaken uh, um, uh, 
Captain Cronus in my head. It's just nonstop sex and violence. That's like, <laughs> like any good, good Howard Shaken book. You but know? he would know how to. He would the flavor of his sex and violence would he he get would get the the right you know the the right combination of sex and violence. It would be a little thinking, more so than you would see in the movies because it's Howard yeah. Shaken. But well, I'm the, thinking you know like um, uh, any of you guys have ever read Shaken's The Shadow miniseries. Mm-hmm. Where instead of doing a period piece, he actually, it was in the 80s, and he actually put the shadow in the 1980s, but the shadow was the same. It's right. like, yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty badass right there. So, all the, all these great ideas out there just waiting for somebody to exploit them. Somewhere, I, somebody, I that, I, yeah, you know, I, I wonder that, where you, possible, where you can go to see who's optioned or about the right, you know, and see if there's been people who've, like, bit you know if captain chronos has ended up on on some lists you know here and there and just never gone into production i wonder how much it would be to acquire the rights to captain i mean does the new whatever is hammer films now do they own all the old hammer film catalog or i'm not sure I can tell you that when I I was a couple of well about uh, I mean closer is to 10 Kronos years ag- in the public domain maybe because no somebody no. done a comic book series with them this so yeah year. somebody I, somebody must yeah yeah say Titan did the, a series with them so somebody you know must own the rights that they're licensing from you know well I mean if but, it's public domain they could have done a series also you know without licensing yeah, that's true anybody. I mean I'm just saying because it's so it's been on Facebook. For so long, for so many years, that it makes me think that it might not be on the algorithm. To it's just like a boy and his dog never disappears from (laughs) because it went into the public domain. You know, you'll always find a copy of *Night of the Living Dead* on Mm -hmm. YouTube because nobody's trying to take it down. Just like you used to be able to find *Godzilla vs. Megalon*, but now that's no longer in the public domain. Well, I, I can tell you just from experience, about 10 years ago, I was trying to research who owned a particular property that had not been in circulation since the 80s. And it's it's very difficult to do that without hiring an attorney. Having to a copyright really, lawyer, yeah. Yeah, to really get in and because and, you, as, as a, you know, the, the information is out there, but if you don't know where to look or how to look, it can be very difficult. Yeah, what's, um, uh, it reminds me of a funny story is in the in the mid 90s i answered an ad here in rochester for a woman who who optioned about the rights to flowers in the attic and she was looking for someone to write the screenplay because she wanted to make it into a movie i'm mm-hmm. i i don't know i part of me would like to read your screenplay for flowers in the attic and part of <laughs> would be yeah. really I, concerned about reading your screenplay for flowers in the attic <laughs> Ooh, I might have to read the the, uh, the new Captain Kronos. It's Dan Abnett and Tom Mandrake. Oh, damn! Dan Abnett yeah. would be perfect for Captain Kronos. Man, I did uh, <laughs> I did link to the archive. great temp job. I did link to the archive.org for the uh, the Hammer comic series in mm-hmm. the chat. If you guys want to read them? Oh, nice! I did. I found that real fast. Okay. So I wonder. And well, who... Not an adaptation. I was scrolling through it. Oh. Now was that who is that was that who was that published by? Was that uh, the, by Hammer? The, the House of Hammer magazine. Okay, yeah. yeah. So I don't I don't think that one. I, I was going to say usually for public domain comics, I usually go to uh, uh, comicbookplus.com, but there I know they're not on there. So I'm I'm pretty sure House of Hammer was sort of the British like combo of famous monsters and like a Warren mm-hmm. comic. 
It was a uh, sister publication to Warrior, if you remember mm. Warrior. Yeah. Um. So it it I think it lasted about twenty issues. I'm not absolutely certain. I know at some the, at some point it changed its name. It, it, mm -hmm. it, the, the name changed on it. I know yeah. I've, I've looked them up on eBay. On See, so they they might just have the they might have just put the issues that they own up on archive.org so they might not have the film adaptation. I have this uh Right. I have all my like weird movie encyclopedias and they're great. They all have mm -hmm. a lot of the same movies in them, but like I have this one what is it? The Essential Monster Movie Guide, which isn't one of the better ones, but the guy really always if he he always finds out if there's a novelization or a comic right. book adaption and uh I'm uh I'm looking up Captain Kronos in here, but I'm pretty sure he said there was a an adaptation of it. I'm looking right now at the uh, the one the the one that uh, we were just talking about the cat Cronus Vampire Hunter the the one that's um, Dan Ar uh, um, Dan Abbott and uh, you know, it actually says right on top um, it says Hammer Comics right on the very oh. top of yeah the well Hammer graphic. Hammer has put out quite a few comics over the last couple of years they had a new they had a Mummy series that was um, you know it was it was not like a not an adaptation of any of their particular hammer or hammer mummy mm -hmm. films um they've done a couple of things I, I i haven't haven't really read them because i haven't really heard all that i haven't heard much about them at all good or bad so okay, i guess so, they're just not that popular here in the u.s so it says here um under the title chronos the character continued his exploits in a series of comic strips in the first three issues of the house of horror magazine and the film itself was adapted in the retitled House of Horror number twenty, in nineteen seventy eight. Okay. So House <laughs> of Horror number twenty. Nice. I'm more interested in the continued. <laughs> yeah, that's House of Hammer one through three. It's got it in there, so you should be able to uh, see that. I'm gonna just check the. Uh, issue 20 real fast and see if it is an adaptation because I get it pulled up. What about this? Blade meets Captain Kronos. Ooh, he, he is immortal. It could be done. That would be pretty sweet. Yeah. You'd have to bring Wesley Snipes out of yeah. retirement. Well, he's easy to find. He's in jail. <laughs> He'd have to he's bring Wesley out of jail for that one. Or he film was, it all in, in the jail. What well, if he didn't it was pay set in a like maximum him. security prison? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll set this one on location. Because, <laughs> anyway. So, um, let me just throw this out real quick, because I know uh, well, um, Chris is looking at the, the issue. Um, if you wanted to purchase the, uh, Captain Kronos, um, the, there's, there's the DVD, right? Which is the... And, okay, the Go to the Two True Freaks website, click on the link, the Amazon link, follow it to the website, helps keep the lights on, yada. Right? So the problem I always had with the DVD, because I have the DVD when it first mm -hmm. came out, um, and it's it, right now it's like $16.98 used. You can get it really cheap kind of thing. Um, Dr. Marcus is on the cover yes. of the DVD. <laughs> yeah. Makes no sense whatsoever. They didn't use the poster. They used a scene from the movie, but a scene without Captain Cronus in it. 
Yeah. Um, which is kind of confusing uh, for a movie called Captain Corn's Vampire Hunter. Right. But we got Dr. Marcus, who turned out to be a vampire. Um, <laughs> also available, you can get the CD the uh, for the movie for eight about just under nine dollars um, if you're so inclined to get the music to the movie, um, and you actually want to pay for it instead of just ripping it from somewhere else. Anyway, but I, I always thought that was kind of funny um, because when, when when the DVD came out, because this was a movie that wasn't available, like it just wasn't mm-hmm. available. And then the DVD came out, and I'm like, why? What they got the cover wrong? But there was a time, and I don't. Luke, Luke knows what I'm talking about here, because it was like I'm trying to think. I want to say it's like, or like or maybe around 2000 or something like that. Like when they would put movies out, like you're like, oh crap, this movie's finally coming out, like because it was just not available. Mm-hmm. And you get there, you're like, who picked the cover? Yeah. Like what? <laughs> who picked? Well, who who decided on this? Like, it, you know what it reminds me of? I mean, you guys remember the movie The Gate? Yes. Yeah. Right? Okay. The the more time for the DVD the... is terrible. Yes, it is. I it is the most generic, worst cover ever. And I'm like, why would they do this? Just put anything yes. from the movie on well, there. Well, I was gonna say it's I can like... understand like if the original art for the poster is still they don't want to pay for it, they would have to pay for it or something. But yeah, why not? I mean, how much more expensive it is is it to just keep scrolling through the movie and pause on a better picture, you know? Because well, yeah, I think right. what they well, try to even... do with the older movies is they try to make them look like they're newer movies, like you're fooling anybody. Like, yeah. You know. Well, the one, the one is... that was always the really like most egregious example of that for me was Hello, was Hello Mary Lou Prom Night 2, which the yeah. only thing most people remember about that movie is the poster. Yeah. And they didn't put yeah. the poster on the DVD. It's like, you're, it's like yeah. that poster is going to get more people to buy it than, than right. putting That's what those to some random were still. That's made for, and they would yeah. still <laughs> yeah. do their job. They're, those old posters are be- Old posters are so much better at making you curious as to what you're going to see in a movie as to what they make today. Everything they make today is just bad Photoshop for the most part. Yeah, that's true. You yeah. know what's not bad Photoshop is issue number 20 of the House of Hammer. It is an adaptation of the movie. Oh, did you find oh, it's on uh, that it's on that archive.org link that I sent you. Archive.org has has a lot of black and white horror sci-fi yeah. magazines. They have almost everything from Warren Publishing up there available for reading for free. Mm-hmm. I think we um, were talking about last time they had the the long version of it's a mad 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 world on yes on there a little while ago. Yeah, archive. Yeah, you could have Captain Cronus fight treasure. Ethel Merman. I said you could have Captain Cronus fighting Ethel Merman. Ooh. I'd watch it. <laughs> I will bite. I know. Not I know yet. Ethel Merman's granddaughter. I could. Uh, she does a pretty mean version of her grandma. We could make it happen. Oh. With CGI. Oh, oh. Yeah, Ethel we could, we could. We could put her. We could motion capture her into Ethel Merman. She'd do it. She did. She when I had a band, she sang um, Bohemian Rhapsody with us, <laughs> and there were several parts where Mama. Yeah. <laughs> it was awesome. Uh, Lieutenant Horowitz, severe shell shock, thinks he's Ethel Merman. Merman. <laughs> <laughs> One of the greatest gags in movie history. Oh. <laughs> But uh, Ethel Merman notwithstanding, so uh, any anybody have any um, kind of uh, final thoughts about uh, Captain Cronus, Vampire Hunter? I'd watch Carolyn Monroe fold laundry. Oh, God, yes. And, that was, and this I mean, is Carolyn Monroe at, like, young Carolyn Monroe and at her most feral, too. I love it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, this isn't Slaughter High, Carol Monroe, or anything no, like that. No, yeah. <laughs> I'm saying, the, the thing is, as, as, I mean, and as, as attractive as she is here and in at Dracula 80, 1972, um, in Golden Voyage of Sinbad, I mean, she's just, the whole time she's there, I mean, she's just on display. I mean, she's not you know, naked, obviously, but right. she's on display the whole time. And it, she fits so well in... Uh, you know, at, when you look at her when, when she's when she's you know at, at this time when in this like in their early seventies, mm-hmm. she just fits so well in these films. Like you're like, wow, they you know I mean I know they were there's the, the new you know the new blood initiative and all this stuff like that. Like, yeah. but she just works really well in these films, and it's like, you know, I mean they could have got somebody else uh, to do it, but I think not having it, her be some you know blonde you know uh, former playmate kind of thing like they did. With whatever it works really well here, and yeah, I mean, I mean, so Golden Voyage of Sinbad uh, has lots of cool stuff in it, but when you see it, like she, like she doesn't lo- ever look out of place. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I think they could have gone. I think that's one of the things that when you look at movies of that time in the like the late '60s and the early '70s, when you people kind of really thought about how does this person fit well and make sure things fit well together. And make sure that no one stands out as being different. Nowadays, she would be, you know, whatever. She would not, they, they would have made her some other crazy different character or made her somebody really famous and whatever. It just would have been too much, you know what I'm saying? So, Well, the uh, thing about Carol Monroe is that she is, she is exotic enough in her mm-hmm. features that you can buy her being just about any different whatever, you know, exotic nationality or race she needs to be. Mm-hmm. But she's not so exotic uh, that that she can that that she would look out of place. I'm thinking like someone like Pierces Cambada, who is beautiful, mm-hmm. but it's like mm-hmm. she would you couldn't have Pierces Cambada in this role because it's like okay, why do we have an Indian girl in England? Right. You know, yeah, I know. I'm just well, I'm, I'm I'm in that time frame. You know, nowadays, yes, it's like the old joke. Oh, they they speak the language of Great Britain. Oh, they speak Pakistani. Okay, I got right. it. But uh, <laughs> but uh, you know. Thank you, Mrs. Doubtfire. But uh... it's just a pity that, that she doesn't. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not ashamed to go there. I'm just saying the career <laughs> that she could have had. Yeah. Oh, she. If she had been in the early days of Hammer, oh my God, yeah. she would have been. They'd, the, they'd have exploited she would have been her to be a Hammer too. forever. Mm-hmm. And and the the thing about um you know or the the other odd thing is that you know like I said you Jay you you mentioned Golden Voyage of Sinbad. It's like everybody. Even people who are non-genre fans know Carol Monroe because she was in something that they liked. Whether James it's like, oh Bond. yeah, right. Yeah. It's like she, oh, she was Naomi in The Spy Who Loved Me, flying the mm-hmm. helicopter, or whatever. You know, like, yeah. that was that's one of the earliest things I remember her from was mm-hmm. was The Spy Who Loved Me. And only later did I think, hey, that's the same chick as in uh, The Golden Voyage of Sinbad. You know, I'm yeah. I'm not real bright sometimes. Wait, wait, so. wait, wait. I just I gotta interrupt. Wanda Ventum is Benedict Cumberbatch's mom. Wow. It's crazy. That that makes it? it even. That's that is bizarre. I did not know that. I, I did not know that. I did not. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's a good thing you're drunk, Ed. Yeah. You, you want to hear something <laughs> else? I found out shocking last night. You know Doug what? Jones, the guy who's in The Shape of Water in the new Star Trek. Yeah. You know what his one of his first roles was. He Mac was, tonight. Uh, <laughs> on, on the McDonald's Mac commercial. Tonight? He was Mac tonight. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow! I did yeah. not know yeah. that. And he's the zombie. But he also was Hocus. I think yeah, he's the zombie, he zombie and Hocus Pocus. I knew that one. 
that that one is uh, that that one I remember the first time I watched Hocus Pocus was when I uh, when my wife and I were first dating. She's like, "Oh, we got to watch this movie for Halloween." I'm like, "Okay, I've never seen this." I got. I'm like, "Doug Jones is in this." I got to get out to Shape of Water. I I want to see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Well, the uh, Shape of Water. A bunch of my uh, friends, uh, you know, guys that I uh, either. You know, sculptors I know, or guys who do effects and stuff like that. They all worked on those and the, on on Shape of Water, um, um, Mike Hill and all those and his crew, um, and they everyone who's you know everyone's like this is amazing. Like this is just That's guys who like the effects are just blow it away. Um, and the and the, the actually, you know and, and I don't know if I brought up to you guys already, but uh, the other one uh, again we were kind of kind of far afield. The idea is that like if you want to see physical effects um, on Netflix, the movie Bright. If you right. haven't checked it out, I know there's there's a bunch of bad people are bad mouthing for some reason. I don't know why they are. People the don't like Max good. Landis. <laughs> Max well, Landis. Yeah, whatever it might be, whatever it might be, they're bad mouthing it. Whatever it might be, if you like physical effects, and this is what we we're talking about—the idea of physical effects compared to CGI—a um, whole crew of guys that I that I'm friends with that I've known for years since they were younger or whatever. Like all these guys are working on. They did all the effects, the, the all the uh, the makeup effects, and all those guys like that. The, the movie's good. We watched the movie as a, I mean, Kaylee well, stayed up and watched mm-hmm. it with us. Well, hopefully um, they've uh, hope, they've greenlit it, so hopefully your friends have some more. That's some more work for your friends. But Bright already has a sequel. It has done. a sequel greenlit. Yeah. It made the numbers on whatever yeah. the reviews of it are. Netflix goes yeah. by the numbers and it hit the numbers. So. Oh yeah. Well, the thing was they already knew that they were there was a good chance it was they already had started doing stuff and that there were there's a sequel coming and whatever. Because um, there was originally talks of that being becoming a series, and they're like, no, we got to have Will Smith in a series is hard. Let's do another movie. So, but maybe as it may, that's a perfect example of makeup effects. You know, uh, I mean, and it's not like they have small. You know, Will Smith is in it. Uh, Joel Edgerton's in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's there's people you know. You're like, and and even the character actors in the other parts of it, like Margaret Cho and stuff like that, they're not. You know, like holy crap, I know these people. I mean, Naomi Rapace is in it. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of thing. And so you look at this film, and it's like, okay, they made sure they went and got quality actors, they got good effects, and a story that makes sense. Hey, wait. You mean that's the way they used to make films back in the day when movies yeah. used to be like worth going to see? <laughs> Holy well, that's, crap! How's that? Happen? That's what Netflix Netflix is turning out to be, the the alternate to Hollywood, and they they are, you know, I mean, I people make... are making fun of them for greenlighting almost everything that comes out, but I'm not going to complain about that. So if they make a lot of crap, I don't care because you can filter through all of it, you know. And there's, I mean, Netflix has just been putting out a lot of stuff that just never could have been done anywhere. I mean, shining example of that is a new Twin Peaks. That, where 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 would you have done that otherwise? Would you have made it into nine exactly. movies or, you know, or yeah. put well, exactly. it on and CBS? <laughs> yeah. Right. But well, no, if, it, if, it's a, if it was on CBS, it'd have to start some older people and it would be a detective. <laughs> it would have to have Andy Griffith in <laughs> At least procedural. Yeah. Jerry that's the only shows that are allowed to air on CBS. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they would have had Andy Griffith. And tell, you what, they, hey, tell you what, if they managed to get Andy Griffith in a show in 2018, I'd be pretty impressed with that right I, there. I don't care who well, you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I would watch, <laughs> but I, I would watch, a, I would watch a, a David Lynch, Andy Griffith, Griffith movie all day. <laughs> I'd watch a Quentin Tarantino, Andy Griffith movie all day. <laughs> Quentin Tarantino would have to have oh, Don Knotts, too. Well, get, get zombie Don Knotts. Well, now. Yeah. Get 
It's freaking all it's over like, Bobby Don Knotts movie. I just like, want to start biting people. <laughs> what happened to Otis? I shot him. <laughs> <laughs> That's Charles Bronson. That's, That's Charles Bro- young Charles Bronson <laughs> taking the role of Sheriff Andy Taylor on the Andy Griffith yeah. show. Mayberry <laughs> Unchained, man. Hey, they they did it. They did it to friggin' Archie, man. With uh, you know, not only after with Archie, but now uh, Riverdale is like. Mm. Uh, Do you know how great the Otis scene would be with Quentin Tarantino <laughs> directing it in the in the in the jail? <laughs> That would be some dialogue right there. Aunt B, what a character Aunt B would be. Aunt B would yeah. start out just like the TV Aunt B, and by the end she would be, like, gutting people. <laughs> I only say all this stuff because I know all of Hollywood secretly listens to our Two True Freak shows yes. and, and yeah. takes all this stuff to heart. Yeah. Dude, okay, yeah. it's like the same way that I say something and then the football announcers say the exact same thing. It's like six what? seconds later. And my daughter goes, Daddy, how come they're copying you? I said, because they're listening. Because the iPhone is on, <laughs> yeah. honey, that's why. No, see, if somebody was listening, then they would have greenlit my idea for Grannies vs. Zombies. And <laughs> <it just laughs> still have they have a movie called Grannies vs. Zombies. They might have you Mother on block, fucker. Hero. <laughs> Wait, Grannies, I bet you guys are real. I know that's a real movie. I, I, they might be filtering Grannies. you out, although that wouldn't be wise. But, the, yeah. Oh no! So, filtering me out is definitely wise. Some of your That's early a... suggestions might have hit like, yeah, a few, uh, yeah, filter filter words, and that they said nah. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I want to throw out before we get here, seeing as how Jason, you're always you're always pointing out that people should go to our Amazon page. You should go I to do. our Amazon page and type in Thomas DJ D E J A and. Look at all the books that pop up there that you can buy. Yes. I, I mean, immediately I got showing 11 results books. Okay. Yes. So yeah. you should definitely go there and you should support I'm Friends wondering, of the Show. There's, the, the, there's like How the West Was Weird, Nine Tales. Do you have a story in that one? Is that? Yeah. How the West Was Weird uh, introduced my frontier exorcist Don Cuevo. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, but, yeah, you okay, know, what it, about what about a... Betrayal on Monster Earth? I like Betrayal on Monster Earth is frigging awesome because I've read Betrayal on Monster ah. Earth and it gets to my highest possible recommendation as an anthology of giant monster stories that take place in a. The stories are fr- somewhat loosely connected. Well, I can tell you that Betrayal on Monster Earth um, is uh, is, is there's a there's there's kind of a. The stories are somewhat loosely connected, but there is a whole history, alternate history Earth, that is populated with giant monsters of every size, shape, and description all across the world. And so basically, are... what would have happened if instead of researching the A-bomb, the United States government during World War II decided to go into cryptobiology? Yes. Nice. Yeah, the Monster Earth stuff is fantastic. It's my highest recommendation as a giant monster enthusiast. Yes, <laughs> I watch. I want that when when I when I'm eventually on the news for for some reason. I want that as like you know, Luke Jacanetti, local monster enthusiast. enthusiast. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, because you can't. What do you call? It? You can't be like. You can't say I'm forty. I'm a man. I'm you a can't man. Have that, so, <laughs> forty. Couple of years. You gotta wait. I, I'm a. I'm forty. I'm a man. <laughs> 
I just got a beautiful effect where like two or three of you laughed at the same time and it echoed over each other and it sounded like a, a movie laugh or a TV laugh track. It was great. Uh, <laughs> all replace it, loop it. Say, where's all the it. dead people? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm going to have to save that for future use. Please retain this image for a later nightmare. Of, of, of these, uh, what's one of these that's piquing my curiosity is Underworld's Magazine, number one. Was that an actual magazine that you guys put out on the shelves? That was a magazine that I edited for one issue. Ah. I, the first issue. It, it, the first issue. And it was supposed to be uh, dark crime, sto- you know, basically horror crime stories. But I didn't get along well with the publisher, so... Oh. That actually looks like something that I would have seen... If I would have been, like, on my rare, you mm. know, forays into, like, Borders books, that would be... I, I Immediately, I'd go to the magazine section, and that would have been yeah. one of the first things I would have, like, ooh, what's this? But, yeah, there is a... A wide variety. I'm I'm always I, I'm I'm always impressed when people wrote another two true freaks, um, related person. Um, Aaron Henley of the the Tangents Abound podcast has just published his first book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it adds an air of legitimacy now that we have a published author on the show with us. Yeah. Yes. And we we need all of that we it's can get. Four frankly. crazy people ranting. <laughs> <laughs> crazy, crazy. I told you I'd shoot, but you didn't believe me. If you keep an eye out over the next few months on that page, there's going to be a new book coming out. Ooh. Machina Ex Deus. Ooh. And you heard that here first, folks, on the uh, the vault right here. Breaking news right there. Little flash across the bottom screen, breaking news. Guy Smiley is announcing it as we speak. It's funny because that, that was the nickname I had for my penis. Guy Smiley? Oh, well, no, but I like that too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank boy. you for having me on, for allowing me to talk briefly about one of my favorite movies. Well, you are always going to be welcome. If there's anything else that pops to your mind that you want to be on with us for, please let us know. Well, that that to me is like one of the great things about this this show because we we cover a wide variety of things as long as it's horror related, and so you get folks on that you're like, oh well, I love this movie, and you know, Thomas, you for Captain Cronus is a good example. We had Mike Bailey on for Friday the Thirteenth Part Five. Uh, uh, like, yeah, so bizarre. Every, yeah, you know, everybody, random. everybody, even if you don't like horror movies, you've got that one. That you're like, that's, you know, that's my jam. That's my monster jam right there. Well, when right you there. guys get up to the new nightmare. We're getting very close to that, actually. I was just well, going to say, we're getting new nightmare. Let nightmare. me know. We've, oh, we've we, done. Oh, we did. I do. say, by the time this has aired, we you have done the new, the new nightmare. We, we, yeah, that's right. We did record Wes Craven's new nightmare. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay. But, uh, but I uh, I was thinking you meant the, like, 2013 oh, nightmare. Oh, we're coming up on that. We're we're coming up onto a, a cycle where we're almost finished with the hammers and almost finished with the nightmare movies. So we're gonna have a, a freak's choice. So if there's like a random horror movie, in the in the next few months that that you have, that would also be a good opportunity to, to to, pull out a favorite for us to do. I would I would love to have you on for a freak's choice of horror yeah. movies. I don't know what my next yeah. freak's choice is gonna be. 
Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. We're, we're not putting you on the spot right now. You don't have to come up with it right now, well, Thomas. We're, just, <laughs> we're throwing it out there to you. Don't yeah. like, uh, well, we well, don't know. Just yeah. a little behind the, the scenes. We've been talking about – We've been talking with Thomas about this Captain Kronos um, yeah. podcast for two years – because we always plan, we always, well, we always do That's movie series on <laughs> on the vault, so it's like planned out so far ahead of time. But like yeah. two yeah. years ago at Dario's picnic, we were talking yep. about, oh yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll get you on Captain Kronos, and then the next year it's like, yeah, we're still, we'll, we're coming up on Captain <laughs> Kronos any hey, month now. We'll get, we'll get you there. <laughs> we're on, we're on Pepperidge Farm time. Things move a little slower. Yes. Around here. You yeah. Do you remember dark? a time when certain people weren't allowed to vote? Dead well, that's the great thing about doing old movies. Back in the age of steam, when dinosaurs ruled the earth. That, that's, that's the great thing about these old about doing old movies is we don't have to strike while the iron's hot on them. It's not like the Last Jedi or something, you know. Yeah. It's like oh, if we don't get Captain Kronos in the next year, nobody's even going to think about this anymore. <laughs> Would I'm sorry. Count? All I can all, all I can suddenly think of is Holly Shore from Son-in-Law. It's the Bartles and James guy, <laughs> <laughs> and we thank you for your support. <laughs> would you count Dark City as a horror movie? I would. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Dark There's movie. your choice, man. Nice. All right. Great friggin' movie too. Right. Yes. Down. Yeah. <laughs> Lord, I don't. I don't think I've seen Dark thing. City yet. What? Dude, oh, what? I know. How'd you not see? That's like that's a movie right up your alley, Greg. I figured you. Well, would and you know what? You know what's funny? You know what's funny Dark, Dark about City in a few years, but yeah. Yeah. Well, you know that the thing, and, and I, I won't get into it because I love Dark City. But you know what is what is really strange is that you know Alex um, Alex Proyas yeah. directed Dark City, and now anytime anybody talks about Alex Proyas, they get it's just to call him a hack, you yeah. know. Because uh, no. it's like he he's taken this, this path in his career where he's made some movies that you know make some choices that people don't like and oh that Alex Price is a hack it's like yeah no you're no. wrong yeah. he did the pro <laughs> and he did Dark City so pro and yeah. Dark City it's like that's like your get out of jail free card for the was rest he of Gods of Egypt as well yeah yes I like that movie I, that felt more to me like Clash of the Titans than the remake of Clash of the Titans you, did you, I right, think but, you might but, be the first person I've heard that said anything positive about I that like movie. Gods of Egypt as well Gods of Egypt was a lot of fun it, it was, was fun. it was an old-fashioned type of like you said like an old-fashioned adventure movie but you can't make those very, it wasn't right, politically correct honest. to make Gods of Egypt right Gods of Egypt right we watched it we watched the thing I'm just gonna say this um, the soundtrack was so loud Wow, that we had yeah. to put on the closed captioning. We couldn't hear them, right? It's like Kelly goes, what's going on? I, I turned the stereo. I mean, I, I went, I changed everything. I made it so like as if you turned all the background noise off. That for whatever reason, when it, when it came out on, because we saw it at home, when it came out on DVD, yeah. uh, you mm -hmm. could not hear what they were saying. That's, I was like, fuck it, I'm putting what see, that's, like, that's most of the complaints that, that, I've heard about the movie were, issue. like, technical complaints. Yeah. Like, it was yeah. poorly yeah. edited, and, like, yeah. it was heavily CGI'd, but it wasn't oh, necessarily yeah. very artfully CGI'd. And the, the, I would love to have seen how much, because he, he was attached to this for a little while. I would love to have seen what an Alex Proyas Silver Surfer was like. Yes. Oh, oh man. Oh, I'm gonna be thinking about that all night now. <laughs> well, then, I'll, then I'll then I'll put I'll put something else in your in your head so that to help you along because okay. we we're not there yet. We still have a few more Hammer films to cover, and the next one we're going to be covering is a personal, longtime personal favorite of mine, 
And we're going to be the first one where we're going to repeat in the series, but not really, because we're going to be taking a look at Frankenstein Must Be Destroyed, which is from 1969. So it is another Frankenstein film, but unlike The Curse of Frankenstein, which is ostensibly sort of, kind of, maybe an adaptation of Frankenstein, this is an original story. And uh, the monster here is played by Peter Cushing, and that's all I'm going to say about this. So this is a, uh, if you like your ma- your scientist a little on the, you know, really completely amoral side, this is the movie that you want to watch. <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> Who doesn't? Well, I was going to say, what other kind of science- scientist is there? In, in, well, there's also in the my incredibly, world. I was going to say, there's the incredibly white bread scientist, like from a Universal movie, you know, that's going to, uh, thank God I saved you, you know. But... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which was so expertly parodied in The Iron Giant when Hogarth is watching the the brain movie. Yes. Oh my, check this locked door. <laughs> <laughs> I always I always think of uh, from it's um um the mist the mystery science story 3000 episode of uh, the deadly mantis. You know, for the whitest whites, use Universal Studios. <laughs> but again, we're not doing the, not doing the Deadly Mantis. But Frankenstein must be destroyed, which is again a long time personal favorite of mine. So uh, very much looking forward to that. And uh, again, Thomas, thank you very much for coming on the show. This was a great pleasure. talking Captain Cronus, and, uh, and we'll have to have you on again sometime. We're we're not real good about having guests on because the way that this show, a little peek behind the curtain, the organization of this show is, um, oh, let's just say a little suspect. So <laughs> <laughs> loose. It's like yeah, we, we I get get a Facebook message. Hey, you ready to do this movie? Uh, sure. <laughs> I guess I'm ready to do that movie. Or, or is this even the this is even the better one? Um, so, which of these movies are we doing? And yeah. then it's like, and everyone's like, well, "What movie's next?" And there's like nine movies named. Like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> uh, let's narrow this down. <laughs> like, we talked about this. No, we didn't. Oh man, uh, I talked about didn't. it to myself. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I do that a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. So, so come on back next time for Frankenstein Must Be Destroyed and. You know, un- until that time, be sure to keep a fresh supply of leeches. Just- <laughs> always. <laughs> Five or six on your back. It's always good foreplay when you meet a gypsy woman. <laughs> I was going to say, if you can have Carol Monroe take them on and off, that's where, that's... That's where you're oh. I don't want the leeches there if she's with me. Oh. <laughs> Actually, the leeches wouldn't do shit if she was with me. <laughs> yeah, the the blood would be elsewhere, right? They would only do one place to apply those leeches. I I based one of the ca- the main characters in my Shadow Legion series on Carolyn Monroe. Nice. And the world is a better place for that. Indeed it is. <laughs> shop at amazon.com please consider using the link at twotruefreaks.com to shop there if you use this link to go to amazon and then you shop two true freaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra so you get to shop as usual and help out the two true freaks at the same time visit our website at twotruefreaks.com two true freaks is always spelled t-w-o t-r-u-e F-R-E-A-K-S 
You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Suck it to me? <laughs>